lovely. Welcome. And welcome to our guests um, and uh, everyone. Make sure um, if you are visiting for the first time, we just really want to get to know you. Um, we're not going to um, stalk you or anything, but there is some information at the back desk. Um, grab, grab some of that. Um, if you can fill it out and uh, give it to me or put it in the offering bowl, that'd be fantastic. We'll catch up. Um, we are going through a series called Broken Vessels and um, we've only just done one sermon. So last week, remember, we, did, we had communion and we talked about the broken bread and how it represented Jesus and how he was hidden away and he rose again. And tonight we're looking at a broken vessel. So thank you, Kirsten. You got through that. Well done. Well done. That's a great idea, which is what I'm going to do right now. So have your Bibles open to um, Mark chapter 14, if you haven't already. And we'll go through that in a little bit more detail. But I don't know. I want to ask you a question. Why did you, why did you come here tonight? Why did you come here tonight? You don't have to answer it. Please don't out loud. But if you want, that's fine. Um, why did you come here tonight? Did you come here because someone told you to come here? <laughs> like a spouse or a parent or a child? Did you come here because you wanted to come here? Did you come here because you needed to come here? Were you invited to come here? I think um, with church, I've been around for long enough to realize that there are, I'm going to try, okay, I'm going to try and, I hate, I hate doing this, but I'm going to try and compartmentalize worshipers in church, all right? Now, I'm going to offend someone guaranteed, all right? If I am offending you, it's not me, it's just, I'm just preaching the word, all right? <laughs> as best as I know how. Um, and also, uh, each one of these compartmentalized people from church I have been all right so I'm not preaching to like I'm not preaching from a place of holiness or I'm better than anybody but I'm just saying this is what I've noticed okay I have noticed that there are three kinds of worshipers all right in church now now you all know we've done a series through our purpose statement on um, and we looked at what it means to glorify God we've been created been designed on purpose for a purpose, and that is to glorify God. Each and every person that's ever lived, little Shiloh there, she's been designed to glorify God, to worship Him, you know, and we worship Him. You see, sometimes in church, we kind of think it's about singing songs, and that's part of it. But like our whole bodies have been designed to glorify God. Like our whole senses, our, our speaking, our hearing, our sight, um, our touch, our arms, our thoughts, our feelings. Sometimes you find churches and they focus on one of those more than others. You know, you go to a church, there's no feelings, but they're like super, you know, they think about the scriptures, you know. And then you go to other churches where it's like almost about feelings and there's no solid truth. Like there's no good solid teaching. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking about? And then there's like all the little bits in between here and there. But look, I'm going to try. There's three different groups of, of worshippers. You want to know what they are? All right. First of all, we'll have a look at Mark chapter 14. And then we're going to get to our broken vessel. All right. I won't tell you what it is. Verse 1 of chapter 14 of Mark, it reads like this in the NIV. 
Now the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. Here's the first kind of worshipper. Now, I know these guys aren't Christians at church, but I let me just keep going, all right? So these guys are the teachers of religious law, the high priests, right? The chief priests, sorry, and the teachers of religious law. These are the worshippers who worship to a program. They are happy to celebrate the Passover and the feast of Passover. This is, a, this is the time of Passover. Like last week, we looked at communion and Passover. We talked about what it meant um, and uh, how Jesus broke the bread and he actually broke open the meaning of Passover. And so these guys, they are so staunch about celebrating the program, the Passover. Every single year, we have to do this. We've got to do it this way and we do it this way because God told them to do it that way. And yet the Passover in person is staring them in the face and delivering people from illnesses and opening eyes of the blind and walking on water and forgiving people their sins and raising the dead and they don't even notice him. Jesus is there in person. You know, the meaning of the Passover is right there. The why of the Passover is right there. But they're too concerned about the what. What do we do? How do we celebrate this? Now, you might not have met anyone like this, and, and I'm guaranteeing that none of you guys have ever been like this before in your life, but there are people out there who will worship God to a program. Yes. It, has to be, it has to be this way or it's not going to happen. You know, this is the way it's always been done. We've always done it like this. My grandfather did it like this. His grandfather did it like this. Their great aunt Betsy did it like that. You know, everyone's done it like that, and so we're going to do it like that. This is how it's done. And you, you've got to come to church dressed like this. You've got to sit down and sing like this. You've got to pray like this. You have to close your eyes and kneel. You have to, you have to, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta. There's people out there that worship God like that to a program. Now, I get it. I, I like tradition. But it's, it's when tradition becomes more important than the why, that's the problem. And these people, like, <laughs> They are celebrating how God had delivered their, their ancestors from Egypt, from slavery, and freed them to be a people free, right? They, they're worshipping God in this Passover, and yet at the same breath, they're looking for ways to kill God. Wow. Now, like I said, none of you guys, just the other people at the other churches have done this before. Like, Not that we're intentionally doing it, but sometimes we can be like that. You know, we, we come, I don't know why you came to church. Um, it might have just been to, you know, have fun, meet people, um, check us out. Um, I don't know. But uh, just be careful that you don't come and, and think that, you know, God needs to be worshipped through a program. All right, that's number one. That's the first group. Um, second group, I'm going to skip over, okay, because we know where the pastor's going to finish, right? He's going to finish on the, you know, the, the good group, but we're not going to look at her just yet. We're going to go over to verse 4, all right? Now, we know the story. This woman comes in and she pours perfume on Jesus, right? But in verse 4, it says, Some of those present were saying 
indignantly to one another. Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. And further down in verse 10, just skipping again, we'll look at it all in a sec. It says, then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, now he was in charge of the finances, okay, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over. So the first group of people are the people that worship God to a program. The second group, I think, and you'll notice them, they worship God to a point. Like we've all met people who have gone, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus. I like the idea of Jesus. I want to go to heaven. Who doesn't? Jesus is the way to heaven. Cool. Let's follow Jesus. And, and yet then something bad happens or, or he doesn't meet their expectations. And then they think, maybe, maybe I don't want to follow Jesus. Maybe he's not who I thought he was. Maybe, maybe I need to find someone else to worship. And so we see here Judas Iscariot worshipping to a point. He's like, I'm going to follow Jesus at, until it gets to here. And I go, no, nah, can't do it. Now we look at that. It's easy for us. I'm gonna, I know it's easy for me to look at Judas from the outside and go, he's, he's Judas. Right? Who's ever been to a church and like there's been a new baby in the church and someone's named the baby Judas? Like it's funny, right? Because we kind of, we, we, we classify that name Judas. Sorry if there's any Judases here. All right? It's a really beautiful name, actually. It's a lovely name. It's just that this guy has given it a bad rap. And no one wants to call their son Judas. But the disciples, they were oblivious to this notion of Judas. Judas was the one that Jesus chose. He chose Judas. And Judas was in charge of the finances. He was the treasurer. No offense, Rose. Rose is awesome. She's not a Judas, right? You can trust Rose till the cows come home. And even more than that. I know I can. Um, but Judas, he, he was trusted by the disciples. And the wool was sort of over their eyes. They thought this guy was it, you know? They, they looked up to him. He thought, they thought, this guy's the, is the one. They were actually surprised to find out when Judas was the one to betray Jesus. Because they were all questioning, is it me, Lord? Is it me? They never thought that it was going to be Judas. But here's Judas, worshipping Jesus to a point. We can find out in the other Gospels that it, that it was Judas actually who started the squabble. In verse, six, in verse 4, we see those present and they're, uh, why this waste of perfume? You know, they're more concerned about something else than about Jesus getting worshipped. Now, these people also will be offended by your extravagant audacious worship. The people who worship Jesus to a point are offended by the people that worship Jesus like the next person. So in verse 3, we see, uh, while Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, it's pretty bad. Like he's not got leprosy anymore, but he's, they, they still call him Simon the leper. Anyway, um, he's at reclining at the table. A woman came with an alabaster jar of expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar 
and poured the perfume on his head. Okay, this is the person who worships God in person. So there's a, a worshipper to a program, a worshipper to a point, and there's a worshipper to a person. Now you know who you are. You've been in here. It doesn't matter what song it was. It didn't matter if it was in the right key or not. It didn't matter if it was, it doesn't matter. You're here for him. So this woman here, there was no, there was no knock at the door. There was no, can I come in? Am I allowed to come in? There was no waiting for an invitation from the disciples, from Simon the leper, or from any disciple, even Jesus. She just enters the room. We're told she just enters the room. And she does what? Goes straight to Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, 5 p.m. every Sunday should be like that. I'm saying every day should be like that. You know, because sometimes we can, we can equate worship with singing and coming to church. And that's good because I love coming to church and praising the Lord with other people. But it's more than that. If my worship is going to be to a person, it has to be to him as much as I can. And so how does this woman worship the person of God? She, she enters in on her own decision. We see, let's just read it. It says, A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard, she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. That's what she does. She just enters into the room and goes straight to Jesus. Now she has a bottle of perfume. Now this bottle is an alabaster bottle. It could be an alabaster box. Uh, not sure. But what we do know is that it's very expensive. And this stuff that's in it, this perfume, this nard or spike nard you might have in your Bible, it's actually really, really, really rare. Now, I'm no, theolo I'm no um, scholar or anything, but I've done some research on it. And some people reckon, you know where this is in Bethany, right? In Palestine, just outside, just in Israel, basically, where we're all praying for at the moment. You know where that is, right? Do you know where the Himalayas is? Do you know where the Himalayas are? They're like near N Nepal. Yeah? That's where the stuff comes from. This expensive perfume comes all the way from the Himalayas. To, and so this woman, this Mary, we're not sure why she's got it, but she's got it. She might have had a, a, a rich relative or I don't know, but she's got this expensive perfume, right? It is so expensive, she could use that to get on with life, to have a great life, to have a great marriage, to have, raise a family, to have a house. She could use that. but she chooses to break it and pour it onto Jesus. I love that. And more than that, I love the way that Jesus sees this. I don't know if you've ever seen people in church where they just worship like no one's in the room except Jesus. Now, they're weirdos, aren't they? You know, they're weirdos. Those flag wavers, those people that dance. You know, have you ever seen them in church? Don't start dancing, Josh. No, you can. You can. Why not? You know what this woman does? She doesn't get a guitar out and start singing a song. 
She, she doesn't go to a church service. She, you know, she, she doesn't even say anything. She just pours out what she has that's really valuable to her onto the head of Jesus. And you know this alabaster jar that she uses? It's not like a screw-top lid where you can just, you know, keep using it again. Once she opens it, it's not going to a second-hand store for someone else to use. That's it. So she pours out this exp everything. This expensive perfume just pours it out. Some of it probably fell on the floor. But you know what else happened in that room? Not only worship, but offense. A, a wonderful, a wonderful offense happened. Because Jesus, like, it, it's wonderful because Jesus, the way he responds. Have a look how he responds. Once they rebuked her, in verse 6, Jesus says, leave her alone. Talk about a guard dog. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She did what she could. Underline those words in your Bible if you can, or highlight them in your phone Bibles. She did what she could. What can you do? You might not have perfume. You might not be a musician. You might not be a, you know, fantastic worship leader or something. But what can you do to show that Jesus is more important than anything else in your life? Because you've been created to worship. I've been created to worship. You can tell how important something is in someone's life by what comes out of their mouth, by how much time they spend thinking about it or talking about it, or paying for it. And it's not just, you know, it could be what comes out of their fingers too on Instagram or whatever. You can tell what's on a person's heart by what comes out. And she breaks what's important to her. And she says, I, I don't think this is important for me anymore. I'm going to give it to Jesus. She empties herself in a sense onto Jesus. True worship. True worship to a person. And my, the wonderful thing I like about this the best is that um, anyone here a sniffer? You, you like smelling things? Like I will be, so I'm just going to confess right now, just in case there are other brothers in the room that are sniffers. You're like walking in the shop somewhere and, and someone walks past and you just, you smell their perfume and all of a sudden you think, oh wow, I'm at Nana's place 40 years ago or 20 years ago or five years ago or whatever, you know, or like you smell a campfire and you think, oh, I remember that time we went camping, you know? Um, I know for me, like Sonia, um, she wears this special perfume and whenever I smell it, I think of her. So like if she goes away on a trip somewhere, I might put a little bit on my pillow. I'm not, I'm not just saying, I might put a little bit there because it reminds me of her because I'm a sniffer. All right. But uh, <laughs> I'm getting to something. All right. Don't judge me. Stop judging me. All right. This woman, right, she comes in and she pours out something expensive. Right. But also we don't get it when we're reading our Bibles, but it's really smelly. And so everyone in the room is suddenly offended in the nostrils. And they and, and unless they leave the room, 
it won't go away because she pours it out onto Jesus. True worship to the person. There's a fence. But the wonderful thing is that as she gives everything to Jesus, as she throws it down on his head and blesses him, and Jesus blesses her too, that's wonderful. But she walks away from here smelling just the same as Jesus smells. And it's true for you and I, that if you come to church and you come to worship to a program, you'll go home smelling like a program. And the people you meet during the week will notice that you smell like a program. And they're going to feel judged because they don't fit into the program. If you come to church worshipping Jesus to a point, you're going to go home worshipping Jesus to a point. Your marriage is going to be to a point. Your relationships are going to be to a point. The world's going to notice that you, you're going to love them to a point. But if you worship God in person, you're going to go away from here smelling like him. That's true, isn't it? The more time I spend with the Lord in the morning, the more time other people notice. I had a day the other day I forgot. It was not a good day. And people notice. And I'm like, why am I so... Oh, <laughs> I need to start pouring out some of me on him, you know, and worshipping him. And the more time we spend with the person, the more time we smell like the person, look like the person, sound like the person, feel like the person, know what the person's thinking. And so that when we're in the world, they can get a good idea of what Jesus is like. So there you go. Three kinds of worshippers. Which one are you? Well, it, it doesn't come down to how good you are, how fancy you are. It just comes down to that question. Like, what can you do? Jesus said, this woman did what she could. That's it. And no one's going to judge you for that, especially in this place. I don't mind. If you want to raise your hands in worship, that's fine. If you want to sit still and not sing, that's fine. As long as it's to a person, right? I think. I think it's good. And everything should be to him, to glorify him. Anyway, I'm going to pray. And um, we're, going to, we're going to finish up. But before I pray, I just want to encourage you to, um, yeah, before you leave tonight, and if you haven't already, if you've just been like caught up in the you know, century things or whatever and not really spent time with the person, just do it. Just get, get alone somewhere and just spend time with the person. If you need babysitting or something, we're here. I can do that. But just make sure you spend time with the Lord. See what he says about you. See how he will defend you and your heart. Yeah. And if you want to worship him, go for it. If you want to cry, go for it. Blubbering mess. We've got some tissues somewhere. doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter because it's about you and him. You know, that's it. All right, I'll stop talking. Father, we thank you so much that you gave your all for us and you proved it on the cross. Thank you, Lord, that your vote is for people. You say yes to people. You proved it on the cross, Lord Jesus. And we thank you for that, that you gave your all. And Lord, oh, forgive us for ever sticking to a program or thinking that you were never faithful enough or never strong enough or never mighty enough or never good enough or never loving enough. That we might even decide to walk away from you and not even trust you. And Lord, sometimes we even feel like maybe you're not even in the room because we're going off of our feelings. So Lord, I pray that you just increase our faith tonight, just to know that you're here and you love us so much. And Lord, I pray that, um, yeah, that the important things that we hold on to, Lord, that we might have the bravery to break them in your presence and say, hey, this is not important to me. I lay it at your feet. And I thank you, Jesus, that you give us a blessing as we leave here too. And pray this in Jesus' name, amen.